Welcome to the Giving Gifts Podcast, a podcast for real people sharing real stories and navigating how to use their gifts in this world. Have you ever noticed that when you meet someone, one of the very first questions we ask is, what do you do? Or how do you spend your time? We live in a world of mixed messages. What you do is not who you are, and who you are is more than how you spend your time or the titles you carry, but it doesn't always feel that way. A wife, a mom, an author, a full-time web designer, photographer, creative, podcaster, sober, friend, advocate, a crossfitter. You could take any one of those roles and talk about what Beth Leifolds does, but it's really a combination of those and so much more that makes up who Beth really is. When I reached out to Beth and asked if she would be interested in sharing a bit of her story, I knew that we would talk about her son Cooper and his diagnosis and the incredible book that actually comes out tomorrow that Beth wrote. It's called The ABCs of Inclusion and it's all about kids and their different diagnosis. And I figured we would touch on the podcast she just launched and maybe get a little bit of backstory. But what I was hoping for and what actually unfolds in the next 45 minutes is a process of really beginning to know a person. When we create space for more than a 60-second conversation, something beautiful can unfold. I am truly so thankful that Beth showed up on that Zoom call two weeks ago, so willing to share. And what she gave me was this incredible gift that I now get to share with you. I thought it would be uh, just kind of fun for you to get to share about yourself prior to even sharing your world on social media, how that kind of came about for you um, and what that's been like. Born in Pennsylvania, raised in Minnesota for the majority of my life. Um, Went to college for communication. So I always kind of wanted to work in journalism, but like writing and connecting has always kind of been my, you know, what my passion is and what lights me up. Um, It's just that that has kind of shifted in the ways um, that that's delivered, which I think is as a whole in the world has shifted as video has become more prominent. Um, So I worked in journalism for a couple of years at our local paper in the town that I live in, and then shifted into web design, um, work for a small company here, still do that full-time. I love it. It's, gets my creative, you know, juices flowing every day. Um, and it's always different. And I also <laughs> have my own photography business. Um, and so that, you know, people are always like, oh, you do so many things, but it's like, in my mind, they all kind of coast, you know, they all coexist. They all overlap. Like it's the mm-hmm. same set of I guess, talent or like passions that make me like everything I do. Um, And so we've been here for seven years, the town that we're in right now. My husband, Brandon and I, um, we got married in May of 2019, a couple months after we found out that we were expecting Cooper. Um, So yeah, we actually got engaged in January of 2019. And then like 36 hours later, I found out I was pregnant. (laughs) Um, So we, yeah, got married about halfway through my pregnancy just because we didn't want to plan a wedding with a baby, um, which in retrospect actually was a really big blessing because it would have been a May, 2020 COVID wedding. (laughs) 
So that was a good thing. And then obviously all of um, Cooper's diagnosis and appointments, and it just got chaotic after he was born in a good way. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a little about me. Obviously now a lot of people know me from my social media where I share just about being a parent in general, but also raising a child with, um, in our case, who is deaf with cochlear implants and uses sign language. Um, but I think that's kind of snowballed into like sharing about raising a special needs child as a whole and inclusion and advocacy. And that is kind of where we're at now. (laughs) And it's not like you could have imagined needing the communication skills or the design skills or the creativity with the photography skills to actually be creating what you're creating now. You know, it's like, you didn't say I'm going to do all of that so I can be an advocate for special needs children. No, it's just kind of, it snowballed into that. I didn't even do all that, like going into sharing on social media. Like that was never my intention to like, you know, become a Kate word influencer content creator, you know, person who shares everything online it just kind of naturally fit because of, you know, the, the passion that I have for everything that that involves. Something I always find interesting to talk about, especially um, on this podcast. So this is fun because you didn't really, you just said yes without knowing a ton. And I was <laughs> very encouraged by that. Um, but the Giving Gifts is a global organization where we're creating mental health resources for young people. Something we talk about on this podcast or encourage people to talk about is how, you know, when, when we talk about the gifts and what we do in our world, it's often what you do or what you produce or what you're good at. And sometimes we neglect the things that are challenging or the things we struggle with. And in fact, it's often in those areas where we actually find what spurs us on to do something. And so it's, I mean, with you, with what you're doing on social media and then behind the scenes, you've done a great job of actually incorporating not just the celebration aspects, um, but also the like, this is absolutely challenging. Like this is exhausting emotionally, physically, mentally. Um, I'm just curious and like, you know, starting from 2019 where you're like, okay, let's get married and I'm pregnant. And now we're going to hop into this whole sense. There sound, that sounds like there was a lot of challenges how, what did you learn about yourself? Yeah, I think it even goes back farther than 2019, just because, you know, like, like I said, I've always kind of been incapable of hiding the way that I'm feeling. Like, I just, I don't have that ability. Like some people do, it just bleeds over into every part of my life. And so in college, um, I've, I've always struggled with anxiety and depression and I've been an open book about that. Um, I would say probably anxiety more so, but definitely bouts of depression too. Um, and it's, it's much better now in my adult life, I think, than it was for a long time. But in college, um, I started drinking pretty heavily. I never drank prior to that, but I started playing rugby in college and it's a pretty drinking heavy culture in general. So it was kind of going from zero to a hundred with that, just kind of like what was normal to me. And so I went downhill really quickly over the period of like my freshman and sophomore year um, and kind of became somebody I didn't recognize, you know, leaning on that as like a crutch in a way to like buffer social situations. Um, And that all kind of came to a head at the end of my sophomore year. It was May 7th of 2013. I ended up hospitalized with a 0.34 blood alcohol, which I literally just slept off. I mean, that that is saying a lot because that's a really high (laughs) BAC. 
Um, but it was fairly normal for me to be that drunk. And so that actually was the last time I drank, um, almost a decade ago. That's crazy. Like two, two months from today, it'll be 10 years. Um, and I think that experience, I didn't, I didn't walk willingly into sobriety. My parents kind of gave me an ultimatum. Um, you know, you, you go to treatment, you do this outpatient program, or you're not living here this summer or you're not, you know, whatever. And so I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. And thinking like, you know, I would just go back to my life after that. And through that process, I found that not only was it like great to wake up, like knowing what happened the night before, (laughs) but I was having to like sit with my emotions and acknowledge them and work through them. And I began sharing about that, um, a couple of weeks into that program, because the way I viewed it, it was either like sit in this like secrecy and shame and continue like propelling that stigma, I guess, or just own it. And I think ever since I made that decision, I've just kind of, that's what I've done with everything in my life is just own up to it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and that's different obviously than the journey with Cooper. But I think through that, through sharing, through writing, through connecting with people, I realized it was helping me process, but it was also helping other people who would come to me and be like, I read this blog post you wrote. It really put so-and-so in perspective. And so that, that really is what led me to be so comfortable sharing. I think that gives you a a really strong foundation to understand where, um, where struggling came into something you just knew was going to be a part of your story. And if you were going to share your story, then that's going to be part of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we just see such, and I think this is shifting too, especially with TikTok, but I think we tend to see curated versions of people's lives and, that definitely exists on TikTok also. I mean, I watch like those organization videos of people's like perfect homes sometimes. And I'm just like, (laughs) you know, like I'm a very organized person, but oh my gosh, like there's no way that that's just everything everywhere in your life all the time. Um, And so, yeah, it's always been important to me to acknowledge those more like broken parts and the harder parts because yeah, people can relate to like happy parts of your life and your organized house and whatever else, but like, there's always more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's the things that people don't want to talk about most often. I think a lot of times people start figuring this out as they become parents, but you kind of figured it out before, right? Where it was like, okay, my life is, is not going to look that perfect. And I want to be transparent about that so I can connect with people. I think I'm not a mom, except I have a puppy. I just got a puppy a week ago. (laughs) So I kind of feel like a mom right now, but um, I'm not a mom of a little child human. And I have lots of friends and family who are though. And so I think something I've seen be a pattern is that no matter how grounded you are when you become a mom, there is so much fear and so much pressure and so many voices mm-hmm. speaking to you and you touched on this of i could hide like the things i was shameful of or i could just put them out there and i think this is something a lot of parents really struggle with is i feel shame over something and i don't know what to do with that um have you had any any experience of that of just feeling like oh i feel this could, this could be something I feel shame over, or I could do something differently with this. Yeah. I mean, I think there's just components of every day where that comes into play 
being a mom and especially being a mom who does so many things outside the home because it comes down to it. And I'm like, I have all of these things to do, but I also like, I need to go see my kid. Like I never want to not be present or like be working when he's around, you know, I shouldn't say never, but like, it's important to me that I'm not, you know, sitting on my phone, posting things or have my laptop or whatever. And so I think just that, that day-to-day guilt in general. Um, but also, I mean, I often acknowledge the fact that like, when I do end up at home with Cooper for a full day, I lose my mind. Like I am not a good mom when I am with him all the time at all. And I think in sharing that I've realized there's a lot of people who feel that way and like, don't feel like they can say it or feel like it is a negative thing to not want to be with your kid all the time. And like, I just know personally, I have so much more patience. I have so much more kindness. I have just, you know, the way that it makes me to have space from him is what lets me be a better mom when I'm with him. Um, so I think that's really important to acknowledge, especially, you know, at the same time, like I'm always careful what I say about that because the people who can stay home with their kids amaze me. Like my mom stayed home with five of us and I, I, I don't know how becoming a mom. I don't know how I love that she did. I'm so glad I have, you know, obviously so many memories and I'm time with her, but like, I just, I'm personally not wired for it. So I think it's important to sit and look at yourself when it comes to that and not do what you feel like you should be doing. Like you should be working because society says you should work or you should be staying home because so-and-so like, and I realize that some, some families don't have the privilege of making that decision because they either need to work for money or it doesn't make sense to work for money because daycare is so expensive. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's outliers too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was kind of a long winded answer also. <laughs> I tend to I do that. Love, I love long winded answers. Okay. So thank you. Um, do you think that you see any themes from your path of sobriety and things you learned and tools maybe that you have adapted towards like life right now. I mean, you're always going to be facing that, right? Like that's, yeah. that's never going to be gone, but I'm curious of how that has um, shown up like w- in the new areas of life. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest and most obvious thing is that life does not always go the way that we want it to, or think that it should. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, given that choice, I would have been like, no, I want to keep drinking. And I'm glad every day that I don't, you know, I don't know where I would be right now. And I, if I had a child, you know, just because of the way things played out, like it probably wouldn't be Cooper. I wouldn't be a good mom if I still drank, I don't think. Um, so I think that that's the big thing is like seeing, you know, like this thing that you think is like your world ending really has the potential to be like a new not not necessarily a new beginning, but something that you stand up and make into a good thing, I guess. Um, and make into a story that somebody else can gain something from. Um, and I think the other, the other really big thing is realizing that things are not in our control. Like I am a hundred percent a recovering control freak and it's, my own mom laughs like literally every single time she's with me and Cooper, she just laughs because I'm not the mom that you even like, you know, during my pregnancy that we thought I would be 
because I, if you'd asked me then, I would have been like, yeah, like, you know, Pinterest mom and everything's organized and he's always clean and like all these cute neutral, you know, outfits. And I, I just laugh. I walk into his room and it's like an explosion of color and rainbow (laughs) and he doesn't have matching socks on. And like half the time his pajamas don't match. And like, I just, all of his diagnosis aside, like the type of child he is, does not give me the ability to be that type of mom. Mm -hmm. And it's, I've really just had to learn how to embrace chaos because he is chaos and he is completely different than me. Um, and I think if I was fighting that every step of the way, it would be a totally different story, but Mm. I'm like, you know, you want to eat dirt, you want to eat an Oreo off the floor at target, go for it. Like (laughs) I have bigger battles to pick. (laughs) So it sounds like you've learned a lot about yourself through just being a mom too, like new sides of you that you maybe didn't know existed. Yeah. How has that, um, impacted even like your marriage? Yeah. Um, it's hard to say, cause I don't feel like I, like we never had a marriage without a baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, we had a relationship, but like, there's obviously not like a huge black and white difference between that. Cause we lived together. We, you know, we basically were married. I think the biggest thing is like my husband and I joke, we're going to Alaska for a week this summer and not bringing Cooper. And we just like look at each other and we're like, what are we going to talk about for a week? (laughs) Cause like, it just becomes so easy when you're both working full-time, especially for those like little pockets of time to just like revolve around the day-to-day. What's this going to be like? What's going to happen this weekend? What's going to, you know, and then to have a child who is so loud and so social. And so, you know, he doesn't just sit in the living room and play blocks. Like Brandon, I try to have a conversation and Cooper is constantly interjecting or even just screaming because we're not talking to him. Like he'll literally just let out a scream so that we can't have a conversation. So it's definitely hard. Like I I feel like it impacts just becoming a parent in general impacts your relationship. I don't feel like we get as much time together or we have to be like a lot more intentional about it. Um, which is why we were like, you know what, we need to just book this trip this summer because otherwise we're not going to, and things are going to happen and life's going to come up and then we're not going to have any time. Um, so, you know, in that way it can be a negative, but it also like makes you see each other in a very different light, like to watch, you know, Brandon letting Coop use his tools when he's working on his truck or like (laughs) run around outside with all of our chickens and farm animals. Like, it's not something that I would, would change by any means. Yeah. Just a lot of readjusting, like a lot of learning, a mm-hmm. lot of like figuring out what's working and what's not working. And we, I mean, so my sister just had a baby like a week and a half ago. So they're very in the thick of that, like newborn stage. And she said something about like how she and her husband snapped at each other or something. And I was like, you know mm-hmm. what? Like Brandon and I have never resented or disliked each other as much as when Cooper was a newborn because you're going on just lack of everything like sleep and your life is turned upside down. And then like, you know, the guy has to go let the guy, you know, whatever, they don't get as much time off as the mom for like parental leave usually. So like, then everything is on, you know, me during the day, or if you're breastfeeding, it's like, you're the one who wakes up and it's just all of these things at once. And like, maybe that brings some people closer, but for us, it was a big struggle. Mm. Um, And I think that's played into not having another child yet. You know, Cooper is actually, he's three and a half today. It's half birthday. Um, (laughs) 
And if you had asked me like, you know, years ago, I would have been like, yeah, I want a couple kids, like, you know, spread out maybe two years. And now I'm like, it's not even on my radar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's, that's an important thing though, to, to recognize that so many people have these plans of what a family looks like. And in reality, like if you're not attentive to what's in front of you, then those, those plans are really damaging. And when you are attentive to what's in front of you, those plans are always changing and always mm-hmm. shifting. Right. Um, so you, this past year has been a big year for you. Um, how did the book trans transpire? How did that come up for you? Yeah, I guess this is, it's funny. Cause like, usually I feel like I start podcasts by talking so much about like our journey with Cooper specifically, but like, obviously I've touched on a lot more than that here. So I guess I have to back up a little bit. Um, so when Cooper was born, like after I had finally, you know, wrapped my head around the idea of becoming a mom, cause I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that. Like we weren't trying to get pregnant. Um, he did not pass his newborn hearing screening in the hospital. Uh, we were told it's fairly common, which it is. And it can often be like fluid in the ears type thing. So it really didn't, wasn't like on my radar very much apart from like, we have to bring him back eventually. Right. And long story short, that's, you know, set of events transpired and we came to, um, realize that he likely had Wardenberg syndrome based on like physical features that he had. And so in researching that and reading about that, I learned that being deaf and, or having any level of hearing loss was a big component. And at that point he was a couple of weeks old and we really hadn't noticed him like startling to our dogs or loud noises or anything. So we got him back in pretty quickly. Um, at that point, I pretty much had a like gut feeling what we were going to find out. So we got his official diagnosis when he was six weeks old, um, that he was profoundly deaf is profoundly deaf. Um, basically could have like had a jet plane taking off next to him and not heard it. Like, uh, you know, so that sounds a lot more cut and dry the way I'm saying it now, because I'm so far removed from it to not removed from it, but like it's, I, I know the beauty of it now that it's easy to just like rattle it off. Um, but it was a lot at the time. It was a lot. And even though I had a pretty good idea going into that appointment, it was still hard to wrap my head around. I think I'd been hoping that he was going to have like, you know, moderate hearing loss where like, you know, hearing aids would help or, you know, da, 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 da. And so that set us off on the path of having to choose whether, you know, we were going to use American Sign Language. Were we going to pursue cochlear implants? Were we going to do both? And so we ultimately decided to do both. Um, you know, started using sign language right away. Neither one of us knew that beyond basic signs. So it was kind of teaching yourself to, um, had to figure out if he was a cochlear implant candidate, which he was. So he was implanted in June of 2020. So we're lucky that it happened in the midst of COVID because it's considered elective. Um, and he was activated, which means that his implants were turned on in July. So they wait a couple weeks in between those two things. So he's been hearing a little over, well, July will be three years. Um, and that's been a gradual process. So now he <laughs> talks nonstop. Uh, spoken language is definitely his preference. We still use ASL, but he just likes to talk even when his implants are off. And so through that process, obviously started sharing on social media, gaining this community and following, um, made up of a lot of parents of children with various diagnosis diagnoses. And 
I had written a book, like a nonfiction account of our entire journey, very specific to like parents of deaf and hard of hearing children. And like, these are, you know, this was the options. This is how we, you know, just kind of that journey. Um, and that was released on the one year of his diagnosis. So October of 2020. And after that came out, I was getting like, so when's the kid's book coming? Like, you know, ha ha from like various people. And I was just kind of like, mm, it's not, I don't know. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm, I'm a person who like, because I am creative and like, uh, talented in those areas, I like to kind of like do everything when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, I can't, I can't illustrate. So I guess we're not getting a kid's book. Like I can't hand draw things. And (laughs) eventually I realized that was silly. Um, had a friend who had worked with a publisher in the twin cities and reached out to that publisher. Um, and at that point I was kind of like kicking around a couple ideas I wanted, I think my struggle at that point was like, I wanted it to appeal to more than just like kids and parents of deaf and hard of hearing children. Like, because yes, that's like my passion and close to my heart, but it's also a very small amount of people um, in comparison to like widening that somehow. And so I was just driving, honestly, one day when the idea came to me, it was like, you know what? Like, why don't I write? an ABC's book where every letter is a child's name. Like that was important to me. I wanted it to be the child's name and not the diagnosis. Um, but they all have, you know, a different diagnosis um, that's explained in a pretty kid-friendly way. And so from there, it just kind of took off and it was, you know, finding the kids that were the right fit. And that became harder as you got down there and like the letters, cause I didn't want to repeat diagnosis or anything. And so it's been, it's been crazy. Um, a long, that was probably late fall of 21 when the idea came out was January of 22 when I signed the contract. So, and I just got all the books in like last week. So it's been a long process. <laughs> and it's a crazy process, mm-hmm. you know? I I um, got to write a children's book this past year as well. And I remember people being like, saying, I don't, maybe not directly to me, but like writing a book is one of the hardest processes you'll ever do, like type of thing. And when I was doing, when I started Celebrate, I was like, this is not that hard. How did you feel um, getting those books? Sometimes I feel like other people in my life are more excited, but I think that's just because like, it's been such a reality to me for the last, you know, year plus every single day. (laughs) Um, And I feel like it's already out there to an extent. I think that's the biggest thing is I've just been, I've shared so much about it that like, it doesn't feel like just because the physical book is here, like that it's all coming to a head. You know what I mean? Um, But it's also like, it's really, really cool to see that in like a real live thing that you can hold. Um, but it's also hard to not be like, oh, I wish I had done this instead of this, or, you know, I should have changed that wording a little bit. And I'm sure you get that. Oh, so I have to go back to that. Like it is what it is like. And you're a creative and you mentioned wanting control. So I totally get that where I'm like, I'm the person who is like, I'm not going to paint my walls because I will a hundred percent notice every single corner and just keep redoing it. Right. Yup. We just painted so, a rainbow on Coop's walls and we have textured walls and it's taken everything in me to just be like, it's okay. It's not, it's not super straight. It's okay. 
Um, there's, you know, like clean edges, whatever. Um, but yeah. And obviously my, my, the, the one thing that I am hundred percent happy with is the thing that I didn't do, which is the illustrations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she did an amazing, amazing job. I think it's just easier to pick apart your own decisions and wording and that kind of stuff. So, but it's, yeah, it's, it's real. It like, we were what, like two ish weeks away from like the actual launch as we we're recording this. So. Ooh, so exciting. I totally get the, the factor of other people being feeling, feeling like other people are more excited at that point than you are. I know for me, I was like the most excited I was is when the printer like finally accepted my, mm-hmm. like it, it said that the cover was the right whatever. And I was like, great. I don't want to open Photoshop or InDesign for at Ever least three again. weeks. Yeah. And yeah. then, then getting the books was honestly kind of overwhelming. I, I, yeah. I let them like sit in this hallway for weeks because I just was like, oh, I, I kind of want that project to be done and it's not done. It's almost just beginning. Right. Like, mm-hmm. but then when I got to go read to a classroom, which you just got to do as well, that kind of ignited something a little bit more light in me when you got to like, yeah, see it like breathes some life into you a little bit more. Yeah. And but I think it's just still like such a process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely like, I think the height of my like, wow, this is real excitement was when I got my proof. Like the first copy, which obviously does not look nearly as good as like these ones and things have changed, but that's when it was like, oh my gosh, like this is a real thing that I'm holding and like seeing Coop's reaction to like, it's still every day that he sees it he gets so excited. Um, cause he's in it obviously. So, you know, that's really And cool recognizes him. himself, mm-hmm. like can show mm-hmm. people like, look, that's me. Yeah. Which is so yeah, cool. So it's, it's, I'm excited to step into like this next part of it. It's obviously like it's a little bit stressful because I printed 9,000 books and they're almost all pre-ordered. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm going to launch and have no, no books to sell, I guess. But, um, and you know, like printing is expensive when you're not like with a traditional publisher. So like, that's a component that I have to take into account too, is like, you know, how often do I want to reprint and how many, and obviously I want this in as many places as possible. So it's a good problem to have. <laughs> It is. Yeah. Pr- printers in general, I'm like, I-, I don't know if we need more of them or what, but it just seems like such a crazy process. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted you to get to share a little bit about was this podcast you just started. Um, Yeah. So my friend, Christy, who she was one of the first people that I reached out to on social media when I was kind of looking, you know, for parents in the same position as me at the beginning of this journey before I was sharing much. Um, and her daughter, Charlie is five now and has cochlear implants. So when I reached out to her, she had like a pretty big Instagram following and I was kind of like, she's never going to see my message or answer me or whatever. And she did. And it like, it meant so much to me just to be able to talk to somebody going through the same thing. And that she like took the time to talk to a parent in that same position that she'd been in. And so We've obviously just become friends through this journey. And I think, you know, a podcast had always kind of been in the back of my mind, but it wasn't something that I wanted to take on by myself. Um, and obviously with the book and everything, it wasn't something that I even wanted to like organize myself. So it just kind of was always there. 
And Chrissy approached me a couple months ago and was kind of like, I really want to start this. You're the one I want to do it with. Like, yeah. And it just felt too right to pass up, even though things are so chaotic right now. Um, And so we decided that we were going to launch a podcast called Love and Language. And the premise of it is that it's for parents of deaf and hard of hearing children, primarily um, who use any language approach. So not necessarily just spoken or just ASL or a combination. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm happy to like, I will, I will be your co-host. I will do the website. I just cannot take on any, any more than that right now. And luckily Christy was willing to, you know, be the one to do the editing and kind of that side of things. So our first episode came out last Friday, um, just kind of an introduction episode. We just recorded our second one yesterday, which was all about like the emotions surrounding a diagnosis. And it was really cool because, well, number one, hosting a podcast is totally different than being a guest. Like I'm very used to being a guest. I'm used to like having people ask me questions and being able to answer them really well, but like kind of like being the one to kind of lead and navigate that conversation. And like, especially with another person is just different. Um, so we're kind of still, you know, figuring out that dynamic for sure. Um, but it's really good too, because it's stuff that I haven't talked about so in depth in a long time, or like, you know, we spent like an hour and a half talking about it and what are, what we were feeling when we went through it and why, and it's things that I only talk about these days, like in, in, snippets it feels like or in written form and so it was really therapeutic I think for both of us too to be able to like revisit those things um and be you know putting out this podcast that like we we both really wish that we had had in the beginning um so I'm just kind of excited to see it continue to grow and hopefully be something that people turn to yeah I love that because it it, I think it was either you or her or maybe a combination where one of you shared on a story of, um, you know, we wanted a podcast where you could listen when you're in a doctor's waiting room or in the car on the way to these mm-hmm. appointments. Right. And I think to have that in mind. And when you said that, I started imagining like these these people in the world who feel so alone, like going to these places and having, you know, a different childhood experience than maybe what they thought they were going to struggle with or have. Mm -hmm. And then having this voice telling them like, not only have we been there, but we're with you, like in your car, we're with you or in the waiting room, we're with you. And I just, um, I'm always like amazed by just the opportunity we have to impact one another, you know, and in ways we see, but more often in ways we'll, we may never see. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that was, I just wanted to one, thank you for do, mm-hmm. doing that because I was so encouraged by that. And again, I don't even have a kid, but I'm like, I'm <laughs> listening to this podcast because, Aww. because it helps, it helps me recognize how to care for someone who I might not connect with. And, you know, sometimes in our world and with social media and with all these other aspects, it's like curated who you get to ca- connect with or care about and in actuality there's something beautiful when we choose to care about people we don't naturally like naturally relate to right or understand every aspect too and 
I think your voice and what you're doing with this book or what you're doing with this podcast or just like honestly your day-to-day sharing on social media is that it's allowing people to one feel heard and valued but two allowing people to hear and value the people in their own lives and so I'm just really (laughs) I'm thankful for that and encouraged by that and excited to continue to kind of just pace along um my last question for you is just, I want to know what it looks like to support you right now. So you, I, I feel like are a supportive person for so many people. Like y- you created this book so that kids and families feel included in the picture. And then you have this podcast where you are making sure that people don't feel so alone in this whole process of being a parent, especially when of kids with special needs. And then you're this, you know, like you have all these different roles you're playing that are all really supportive roles. So what does it look like to support you? Might be one of the harder questions I've gotten. Uh, it's just funny. Cause I think we see ourselves so differently than other people see us, which is often the case. And like, whenever people say things to me like that, I, I just think of that like episode from, did you, do you watch friends? The one yes. where Phoebe like tries to do a selfless task and like <laughs> everything always benefits her somehow. Like I always end up thinking that because I'm like, well, you know, it makes, it makes me feel good to do this or it, you know, like that's just my way of thinking. And I think it's hard to see myself in the light that other people do. Um, yeah. So sometimes I feel like when people are describing me like that, I'm like, wait, that's me. Like, am I doing all this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway. Um, yeah. So supporting me, don't tell me I do too much. I hate hearing that <laughs> for real. Like I, I will have the people close to me say that sometimes. And I'm like, you know, like I'm, I'm very self-aware. I'm very aware of when I'm stressed. I'm very aware of when I'm anxious or, you know, not doing great. And when that happens, I do the things I need to do to support myself. Um, so I think people around me being able to say like, you know, know that about me, number one, um, number two, I don't just like little kindnesses, like you going out of your way to send me your book and a coffee gift card. Like that meant so much to me because it has been a stressful couple of weeks and very up and down. And I literally live and breathe off of coffee and I pretty much work at coffee shops (laughs) completely. So like little things like that, I think just when people do those for me, it makes me realize like how meaningful it is and maybe like lights a little fire under me to do those things too. Um, but yeah, I think, I think just checking this podcast has been really nice because I feel like, you know, it's been very around, you know, me as a person, I think sometimes I can feel like people follow me because Cooper's cute and because he's funny and like they care more about Cooper. And that's a hard thing as a parent because, you know, I never want to him to feel like he's like just this part of my like content. Cause that's not it. Like I enjoy sharing him because I love him and he's funny and people get a kick out of him. But I think the, the other side of that, which I'm sure a lot of parents who do share their kids on social media can relate to is like, I think sometimes you feel a little forgotten or like a little off to the wayside. And so it's nice to be asked just like, how are you doing? Like, you know, how are you feeling? What are you doing for yourself? Um, Who are you as a person, Mm -hmm. not just as a mom? And so 
I think it's really those, those little things that I always think back to when I first told, um, my, my best friend in the world, like that I was pregnant. Um, I texted her like the day I found out and I was upset and like, she didn't know that she didn't know how I was feeling, but that was the first thing she asked. And the first thing she said back to me was, how are you feeling? And like, Mm. that just meant so much to me, like that she didn't express excitement or, you know, because she didn't know where I was at. And so I think more than these big grand gestures, it's just being able to kind of put yourself in somebody's shoes for a minute and like ask the questions that let them know that they matter. Another long answer for you. (laughs) No, I think that was such a good answer and something that is so, so, so important. We're so quick to tell someone how they feel or how we perceive their responses and just what you said. I mean, when people tell you like you're doing too much or, you know, or that must be, that must be so hard, or that must be so exciting. It's like, well, why don't you ask me if I'm excited about that? Or if I'm, you know, ask me if I have too much going on, if there's anything you can support me in. Like if we just got better at asking each other questions rather than making assumptions for one another. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I can be better about that too in my life. So it's a good reminder for me to like slow down a little when I'm talking to other humans. (laughs) Mm Hmm. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. I said that was going to be my last question, but this is going to be my final last question. And it's, I just was thinking about it, especially as I just told you, like, this is encouraging me to see you in this light. What is just something about yourself that you're proud of? Uh, Honestly, another really, really big part of who I am is CrossFit and my physical, like, health and wellness journey, which kind of started with sobriety and like realizing how much better I felt, um, when I paid attention to that. And so after college, I struggled a little bit with weight and, um, just not being active. And I found my local CrossFit box like a little over six years ago. And I've been there ever since. And, um, we're no longer CrossFit affiliated. Um, so it's like a, you know, functional fitness gym, but I coach there and I love it. It just like, lets me see things in a totally different way to be able to like help people who are at the beginning of their fitness journey. Um, and it's just, it's a really good, you know, people are always like, I hope you take time for you. I hope you take time for you. And for me, that's not going and like getting a massage and a facial. That's just going to the gym. Like that is my, my, I'll probably make people mad saying that, but it's, it's my church to an extent. Like it's the place that I go when I need to just be who I am and like, let my walls down. And, you know, I've been, I've been so many versions of myself in those four walls. I was there when I found out I was pregnant. I worked there through my whole pregnancy. Like it's just, it's one of those places that, yeah, it might not look like somebody else's form of relaxation to like do everything I possibly can to like make myself tired and exhausted and collapse on the floor. But like for somebody wired like me, it's the only time my brain shuts off. It's the only time I'm not thinking like, I need to be working on this page of this website and putting out this video. And so I think that's, that's something that I'm very grateful to have and proud of, proud of myself for continuing to do, even when life is so busy. Right. Well, in the pursuit of wholeness, you know, like mm-hmm. rather than just pursuing, a. This has been like my phrase. Anyone who knows me and hears this is going to like roll their eyes at me. Because right <laughs> I keep saying like, I don't want to be happy. 
Like I'm not pursuing to be happy in this life right now. Like I'm pursuing to be whole. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hear in that is just like, yes, I have work and I have this incredible little human who I get to love and a family who I'm growing and friends and work and the social media world and all these things. And then I get to do something physical with my body and turn my mind off because I'm a whole person who has multiple needs. And so I, I just, I love hearing that because I think it's a reminder of like, sure, you could do something instantly to feel happy, but like the pursuit of wholeness is a long-term commitment of something. And And it comes into the mental health aspect too. I mean, for me personally, there's a direct correlation between like how I am as a human and my mental health and how many times I have or haven't been to the gym, you know, like it's sure I rely on medication as well, but that is a big component of like keeping myself healthy and happy and not even necessarily happy, but you know what I mean? Like at the best version of myself. Yeah, man. Well, I wish that we were uh, in the same room right now and I could just lift my water (laughs) cup and say cheers because I uh, just have so enjoyed this time and just getting to, um, yeah, like having you trust me to deliver this and and just getting a little space in the world to, to know a little bit more. And I'm just very thankful for that and for what you're doing and who you are. And yeah, I'm so thank you. Thank you. I would give you a hug if we were in the same room. Darling, your jokes, they kill me. I know your jokes, they kill me. I know your jokes, they kill me. Honestly, do, honestly, do, honestly, do. Oh, 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 oh. I mean, the jokes we told are just like terrible. And I'm like, considering not having that part because I don't want it to stress people out. What about, what if you did just like a funny story from the past week or like, you know what I mean? Like just a funny little moment. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell me like a, well, now I put myself on the spot. I know. Good job. (laughs) This is kind of a Cooper story because I think it was his fault, but I'm not sure. So this morning I was over at a coffee shop in town and there's like, um, you know, I'll take him there once in a while when I'm feeling adventurous (laughs) and chasing him around. And there's like a chalkboard there that he's always obsessed with. Um, so he like moves the chalk around and stuff. And so I went there this morning and I didn't have him with me, but I was like sitting in that same area and I got up to like pack up my stuff and leave to come here. So I could talk to you. And this guy like approached me and I was like, what are you going to say? And he's like, um, I think there might've been something on the chair that you were on. Cause your, your pants. And like, I could tell he was trying not to say like your butt is covered in chalk, but like my butt was covered in chalk, like green chalk that I'm pretty sure my own child probably put on that chair a couple of days ago. Um, <laughs> So number one, I'm very grateful for him to him for not like being afraid of sounding creepy and like telling me, but number two, uh, Cooper manages to still infiltrate my day, no matter where I am. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the giving gifts, like, share, and subscribe. This shows the shit, spread some love and joy, know that